We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living. Wouldn't it be nice to know that... We are constantly being loved by everyone and everything in the universe and that we ourselves are giving love to everyone and everything in the universe all the time. Couldn't we just relax into that like we're falling into a down bed with these wonderful blankets on it and the ocean rolling outside the window and some other big scene that you really want to see? Well, actually, that's true. But we don't live out of that world. We live out of the world of the duality trance state in which we don't believe that we're being loved all the time, nor do we believe that we give love all the time. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today because there is such a thing as the law of love. Just like there's a law of attraction, there's a law of love. As a matter of fact, there's several different laws that work in combination with the law of love. And uh, you can read about those in the book, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can, which is currently out. It's uh, been released now by O-Books, and you can get it on Amazon.com or at BarnesandNobles.com or any of your local stores. So, um, so oh, and I also want to make this announcement while I'm on this little aside. It's 14 days to the Day of Answers. What the Day of Answers is, is a show we're going to have on October the 5th. It's going to answer your questions about the law of attraction, but the questions are being asked by some of the previous guests on this show. Uh, So it's going to be very exciting. The questions are quite profound and very interesting. I've seen some of them already, and um, so you're going to be interested in this show. So 14 more days till the day of answers. All right, so to the the law of attraction, let's talk a little bit, I mean the law of love, let's talk a little bit about that. The law, first of all, we have to understand something about love. Love is not a sweet uh, um, connection, sweet feeling that we have about ourselves and other people all the time. Love is that, but it's also uh, the gift to grow. It is the things that are brought to us in our lives, the things we bring to ourselves in our life that help us to uh, to continue to grow into who we are. So in order for us to talk a little bit more about um, 
the law of love, we have to first understand the law of karma. Now, I did a show on this back in the spring, and you can go back and listen to the whole show. But right now, I'm just going to do a brief little overview. We think of karma as uh, we've been taught in very dualistic terms, having to do with good and bad. So karma is us reaping what we've sown. Uh, and karma is what goes around comes around. And karma is bad karma, and karma is good karma, and that's how we think of it. Uh, karma is being paid back, so to speak, in one life for what's previously been done in, a, in another life. So with karma, we obviously believe in reincarnation. So you have a life, you do some things really bad, and you come to the next life, and, well, you get paid back. You get some kind of, of, of reality that hits you hard that makes you realize that what you did in the previous life was wrong. Whether you remember what you did in the previous life or not is immaterial. You get the lesson anyway. So that's how we typically think of karma. But actually, without the duality trance state, karma can be translated very differently. Karma, uh, according to uh, oneness, has nothing to do with good or bad because there is no good or bad in oneness. There's just oneness. But uh, rather, karma is the intention of the soul to bring about our full awareness of who we are as divine beings. So whatever happens to us in a lifetime is, is something that is pushing on us to get us to come to terms with who we are as soul or as divine beings. So... What is meant to happen ultimately is not that the soul learns anything. The soul doesn't need to learn anything. It already knows everything. It already has everything. It already is everything. It is one with the divine. It is divine. So there's no need for the soul to grow or change or learn. But there is a need for for what we've separated out from the soul to learn and grow. And some would call that the ego um, I'm not comfortable with that term because it's been thrown around so much and has been so distorted uh, as to its true meaning, which is actually meant to be a liaison between the internal and the external worlds. But so, so that it's come to mean instead that it's the part of us that rebels against our, our soul. It's the part of us that's bad. It's the part of us that's not higher self. And so with that language, we continue to split ourselves off. So I'm not comfortable with that language. So I'm not going to say ego. What I'm going to say is the part of us that identifies with duality has developed itself an identity. And that identity needs to be merged with oneness. We, we will not lose our personality when we become one with the divine. But we will recognize that personality as a constituent part. Almost you might even say it, it would be like a molecular molecular part of the divine uh, the divine universal divine so so karma is the intent of the soul to have that identity unite with soul so that identity has uh, a lifetime in which it lives out its notion of itself as separate from the divine and the soul has an intention that in that lifetime things are going to happen that are, are and and people are going to be met and uh, circumstances are going to occur and situations will be lived into that are going to help the person alchemically change more and more into an identification with the uh, the authentic self or the soul. So 
that is what karma is. So karma works together hand in hand with the law of attraction, which, as we've said in previous shows, the law of attraction actually isn't what we've been taught it is, but is the, uh, we are, the fact that we are attracted to and by all those things, places, people, circumstances, and events that are going to bring us into full awareness of who we are as divine beings. So you can see how karma, the, in, the intention of the soul, works together with the law of attraction to bring that about. Now, how does the law of love fit into that? Well, the law of love is, is, is the loving power behind the whole thing. In the Bible, the, the Christian Bible in the New Testament, there's a statement that says God is love. And I really think that that's probably the clearest definition of the divine that we could possibly have. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelations, uh, the divine is considered to be an all-consuming fire of love. So that all-consuming fire ultimately will consume us all. We will all be a part of that love that is divine. Uh, and uh, But for right now, we don't live in that. We don't experience that. We, we see our lives as hard and, and tough, and, and we have to be tough and hard to be able to manage our lives, and we have to be smart, and we have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And where is the love in that? I mean, look around. There's automobile accidents. There's killings. There's people sabotaging people. There's wars. There's starvation. There's uh, there's Darfur, there's uh, all kinds of horrible things that are going on in our world all the time. How can I sit here on this radio show today and say there's such a thing as a law of love? Well, if we consider that the divine is some outside external entity who should, who's sitting up there on his, his high and mighty throne, and I use the word his there deliberately, uh, and looking down on us and saying, when are they going to get their act together? I'm so sick of them doing what they're doing and not helping us at all. Well, then, you know, it would be pretty hard to consider there's any love in that. And there are a lot of people that view that, view it that way. And as a matter of fact, I've heard people say things like, well, God, and, you know, that's, that term is used loosely here. God really doesn't really care about humans at all because if he did, he wouldn't let all this stuff happen. And there's a big old bargain there. If he did, if he, quote unquote, did, then all, then all this stuff would not be happening. There's an if and a then, so that makes it a bargain. Well, actually, um, if the divine, if we are all divine beings, we are part of that constituency and we are responsible for what goes on here. So we are the interveners. And if we're not intervening, that's us being God not intervening. And so, you know, it's kind of hard to look out outside of ourselves after we come to that conclusion. So, so, so there's, there's that. But how in the world would the law of love be activated in a world like this? Well, we could go around saying, well, we should be missionaries of love and we should, you know, be kind and, 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 and open and, and creative about love with other people. And yes, all of that is true. But that means that the giving of love is all there is of love. Actually, it is the reception of love that is the most important feature of, of the law of love. Because in order for us to be able to give anything, we have to first receive it. We have to first own it as if it's ours. And actually, it is ours if we're divine. And if the divine is, in fact, love, then it is ours. We own it, and it owns us. And so we are a part, we are constituent part, molecular even parts of love. Uh, 
and in order to experience that, we have to receive love. We have to be able to, to, to open ourselves to love. Well, how in the world does that happen? Well, that's the first step of the law of love. We begin to become aware of ourselves as divine beings. Ergo, we begin to become aware of ourselves as love. And there is an opening. Many people talk about chakra openings. Some people say there's seven chakras. I say there's 12 chakras. The last five are what Jesus called the uh, kingdom of heaven. They are above the seventh chakra and they are, uh, are, have to do with fullness and wholeness and, and creating uh, out of what is presented to us. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. But uh, for right now, just while during the break, while the break is going on, I want you to think about the possibility of what reception would mean with regard to those chakras. We'll be back in just a moment for more. Stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness Research is transforming healthcare. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. 
Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And we're talking today about some strange thing called the law of love. Uh, and we've said that it doesn't look very much like planet Earth operates out of that law. And, in fact, we don't. We operate out of the law of duality. But uh, we were saying just before the break that uh, we have to open to receiving love before we can actually learn anything about what it's like to give love. And we've kind of got that cart before the horse there. We think that love is all about giving love. And anytime we hear about love, say, for example, somebody reads the, the chapter 13 in, in 1 Corinthians that's supposed to define love in its purest form, uh, we get we feel guilty. Well, how come I'm not giving love that way? Well, that's not the way I give love. I get jealous sometimes, or I, I, you know, don't always think about my, you know, putting my neighbor first, or I don't, you know, we. That's the way we think about love. Love is this big old should that hangs over our heads, and actually, love is not that at all. We've got that backwards. Love is receiving first. We have to receive love in order to even know enough about what love is to give it. Um, and I said before the break uh, something about 12 chakras, so I want to clear that up. The book of Revelations, as well as the Kabbalah, talk about five trees, five uh, uh, crowns above the head, five things that are above us Then um, that some have interpreted to be five chakras above the, the first seven. The seven are what we live out here on planet Earth. And as we open those chakras, the others, the other five, begin to slowly automatically open. And that is part of the evolutionary process that I was talking about a few minutes ago with regard to karma. So we're constantly in this state of evolution. And karma, which is the intention of the soul to get us there where we're going uh, to awareness of divine self, is working together with these chakras to open them so that we will become more and more aware over time and over experience with who we are as divine beings. So incarnation after incarnation after incarnation, little pieces of each one of the chakras are opening slowly over time and experience. And karma is creating that through the intention of the soul. The law of attraction is creating that by attracting us to and we're being attracted to those things, people, events, places, situations, circumstances that will bring us closer to an awareness of who we are as divine beings. Uh, and as we said, who, who we are as divine beings is love. If, if the divine is love, then we are love. But we don't know that about ourselves. We don't experience ourselves that way. We experience ourselves as separate from the divine. And actually, we think of ourselves as bad people, way down deep. Even if we're striving to be good, we're at the core. We're pretty bad people. So, you know, we, that we can't overcome that. We'll never overcome that. Uh, we strive to be good, but we're always going to be bad because we're people and people are bad. Why are they bad? Because... Way long, many centuries ago, we did bad things, and so we're all living in that badness now. So that that archetypal concept is is just a sort of baseline from which we operate, and it keeps us from being aware that we are uh, we can receive love, unconditional love, not love we deserve or earn, but unconditional love. And how do we talk about that? How does one begin to talk about the reception of such immense uh, love? Well, we begin to feel it when we meditate. Uh, 
I'm not sure we can actually put it into words, but we can certainly feel it when we begin to meditate. When we really get down to that sort of what I call the hum, it's kind of a universal hum where you're just, you're just not identified with duality anymore. You're in a place that's peaceful, extremely peaceful. You're in a place that is, uh, extremely open and you're just sitting there in that wonderful place and some might call it a light, some might call it uh, something like that, but but you also can experience the enormity of that love because it just sort of carries you like a big ocean and you're just floating around in it. And that is the way our souls are. Some sometimes we think of our souls as within us. But and and I actually talk about it that way quite a bit too because I'm trying to get us to turn inward and find it. And we do have to go inward to find it. But actually we are living inside our souls, much like the yolk of an egg lives, lives inside the white of the egg and the shell. So we, we are surrounded and encompassed and fully involved in love or the soul or divine energy all the time. We just don't know it. Most of our Eastern religions, especially the mystical elements of our Eastern religions, believe that they believe that we are divine self but that we live in the illusion that we're not divine self and our job here is to become aware that we are divine self and you can read that in the Bhagavad Gita very clearly and and several other of the religions um, with regard to uh, specifically Buddha who says that our journey here is to become the internal Buddha which is the same as becoming aware of the authentic self the soul the deepest deepest most truest part of ourselves so most of most of the mystical elements of all religion even the christian religion will take us to that place where we begin to recognize that we're one with the divine some don't go so as as far as saying we are divine but if we're one with the divine then we are divine so you know it's all about semantics but you know receiving love is that place we can go to when we just Say, okay, I'm open to that. I'm willing to be open. It is a heart chakra opening. It is an awareness of who we are as soul, where we're the yolk and the soul is the egg white. So now, okay, that's the first step. That is where we receive love. What does that love look like? What does it act, act like once it starts giving? Well, it acts like truth. It doesn't necessarily act always in ways that, uh, we might say, oh, well, that's kind because uh, sometimes our kindness is mixed up with codependency and our kindness get mixed, gets mixed up with shoulds and oughts and have, to, have tos and our kindness gets mixed up with duty and obligation and our kindness gets mixed up, mixed up with loyalty. Um, and we can actually f- do love the same way. Our, we can call love need for security I, I want to feel secure so I love you so come marry me and let's live happily to ever after um, we can call love uh, um, such raw and desperate need that it becomes dependency or possessiveness or jealousy or uh, I mean literally had people come into my office uh, couples come into my office and say that they wanted their partner to be jealous because that was evidence that their partner loved them and you know, we have to rethink that, of course, and offer that some reframes. But the truth is we get all kinds of things mixed up with love, too. So our definitions of love should all be thrown in the trash can 
and our definitions of 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 connection and divine what the divine means should all be thrown in the trash can before we start a journey into the inner self or at least thrown under the bed so we can drag it out later so that we don't have to you know have that interfering with any kind of explorative research we might do both mentally and spiritually within ourselves to find out what love really is and what the divine really is uh, those old preconceived ideas that we've adapted and adopted from other people our religions our um our notions of right and wrong our notions of morality all of that can block us from becoming aware of who we really are they can block us from finding out what love really is so if we're going to really explore and really find out what love is we're going to have to suspend our belief in some of those other things for a while and go inside and receive love and then and only then will we really know what love is so um so when we talk about a law of love we're not talking about everybody going out and being a missionary to uh give love and kindness what's called kindness to other people Jesus called I mean he was one example of 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 of, of a master teacher who uh taught us about what love was all about I mean he was the one that said that there was only two laws really one was to love the divine with all your heart mind body and soul and the other one was to love your neighbor as yourself uh so he was he was one of the great master teachers who taught us a great deal about love but uh he called the pharisees vipers and pharisees were supposed to be considered to be the most righteous people on the planet at that moment and he called them vipers he called them uh, whitewashed sepulchers he you know what he was doing basically was saying the truth so is love always what we consider to be kind no love is the truth love is who we are and love is what we're evolving toward and love is the truth so it tells the truth in the south we have a custom whereby we uh sort of cover things up we say well i shouldn't really say this but you know sally she da 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 <laughs> so what we're doing in advance is is saying well i know that i'm wrong for saying this but heck i'm saying it anyway uh we also say well you know that that jerry he's a mess god bless him what we really mean is or bless his heart that's another one what we really mean is poor jerry he's pathetic and bless his heart uh but we really don't like jerry we don't want to be around him but bless his heart so it's a sarcastic kind of passive aggressive way of saying what we don't really want to say <laughs> and so being only partially raised in that culture i could see the difference uh i came here from uh uh the northeast and uh in the south it was very very different there was not open honest confrontation when there needed to be that there was rather passive aggressive ways of interacting with each other so uh, i've seen both of those two things and neither one of those necessarily work the best but the truth sets people free and freedom is the ultimacy of love freedom is the recognition that each person on the planet has ultimate control over his or her choices because why because each person on the planet is also one with the divine so as we're all evolving into closer and closer awareness of that love the law of love looks out and says let me take what's here and convert it into love so that's the basic 
thing of love. You can, with the law of gravity, you can throw something up in the air. What's going to happen once it gets up in the air? After a little while, it's going to come back down to planet Earth. And, and so that's the way the love works. So everything ultimately falls back down to love. And we're going to learn more about how that happens right after the break. Stay tuned for more. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. We're talking today about the law of love, and uh, we've said that it's pretty hard for us to imagine here on planet Earth that there is such a thing as a law of love. Uh, but what we said just before the break was that the law of love is a law of conversion. It converts everything to love. So like gravity, if you throw something up in the air, it's going to fall back down to Earth. With the law of love, if you throw out anything, it's going to ultimately land in love because love is all there is. If everything is one with the divine and all, and the divine is uh, love, then everything is love, ultimately. So, you know, we can say that intellectually, but believing it is a whole other thing. And part of the way we begin to believe it is because we meditate and we begin to experience it. But the other way that we believe it is we can look at our lives. We can look at what's going on in our lives. So I can share a little bit about my own life to give you an example of how that might work. Uh, and, and I'm using my own life only because it's it's easier to explain not only that, but it's not using someone else's experience. It's using my own, so that can be validated by me. Um, so, okay, so my mother was a, a, a pretty harsh, critical uh, person who sort of flew between periods of of uh, brooding rage and, 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 and 
cold, icy indifference. And so she raised me and my four siblings to believe that we were to be utterly independent and not really connected to other people. And we were pretty much starving for her affection. And uh, so you can look at that in, on the surface of it and you go, well, how could that turn out to be love? I mean, is that going to screw you up? Well, yeah, I guess I had some screwed up years in there. But um, ultimately, you know, what happened was I began to get attracted to people who were very much like my mother cold and different people who went through periods of brooding rage and and periods of uh of a cold icy indifference and uh each time i was attracted to a person like that i learned something about myself i learned something about that person i learned something about relationship and i learned something about uh what love was and what it wasn't and over time I eventually found uh, a people that I could be with who could love me unconditionally and whom I could love unconditionally. But that process was one in which I had to learn to draw boundaries where boundaries were needed. In other words, I would not hang out so much with people who were going to be cold and indifferent or, or show me their rage. Uh, but also, and so that, that piece is also love, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But also, what came to be was that I evolved into loving myself more and more. How did that happen? Well, it happened because I had to draw those boundaries. I had to say, wait, this isn't working for me. I had to even feel my anger and use my anger as a tool to help me get out of things that were toxic for me. So uh, that's how love works. That's how everything falls down to love. Now, does that mean that I'm the most loving person on the planet? No. <laughs> what it means is that I understand love now. And what if, let's say, my my soul's intention when I came here was for me to learn that I have unconditional love, that I have the gift, like we all do, of unconditional love, that I have it to receive for myself and to give to other people. What if that was my soul's intention in this life? Well, I guess I could have learned it from a mother who was going to give me unconditional love but there's no guarantee of that uh there are mothers who love their children unconditionally who don't know a thing about whose children don't know a thing about unconditional love we see that all the time today specifically where drugs and alcohol come into the picture their children become addicted and treat their parents in very horrible ways but uh because they're addicted to drugs and don't respect much else of anything except that drug so you know, these parents don't love their children any less. They're not bad parents. They just have kids that are addicted. So does every parent who loves their child unconditionally teach the child that there is such a thing as unconditional love and that the child will grow up to love themselves and others unconditionally? No, no way. But in this particular case, if it's my soul's intention, say I've had other lives that have led me to this place, and I do believe that's true, that we always do have other lives that get us to the next place and then the next place and then the next place. Um, so, I, so let's say I was led to this life by other life experiences and previous lives and that ultimately this was what I came here to learn. Well, I learned it. I learned that. A, I continued to love my mother no matter what she did. I, I, and I didn't even understand that and I didn't even like that about myself for a while because I kept loving her even though she wasn't being very loving. Um, and then I learned that I loved these people that I got involved with no matter what they did. I loved them anyway. Was I going to be with them anyway? No. <laughs> I would make choices to cut them out of my life. But that didn't mean I stopped loving them. 
So, uh, so I began to understand that that love is unconditional. If it's if it's to be called love, it is unconditional. It loves regardless of what a person does, says, or thinks. Doesn't mean you have to be around that person. You can love from a distance as well as from close up. But, but I did learn that, and I learned it because I had a mother who was not very loving. So, and I, and because I kept encountering this situation after situation after situation, and because I guess I was ready at a, a stage in my evolution where I was ready to receive that information. I guess I could have turned that down too if I'd been in another stage, but at this stage of my evolution, I decided to receive that information. So, that's the evolutionary process, and it works hand in hand with love to accomplish its desire. So, I got from that experience the gift it came to give me. That is love. That's how everything falls down to love. So ultimately, I am loved, even though I was being loved by a person who didn't love me. <laughs> you can definitely see how convoluted that could be. But uh, if you look at the soul energy behind my mother's actions, you can see that her soul was actually loving me by doing the thing it did. Now, her soul is on its own evolutionary process, where, lifetime after lifetime, and she's getting what she came to get as well. And I don't know what that is, and it's not mine to decide what that is. But her process impacted my process, and it ultimately was a loving act, in spite of the fact that on the surface, it didn't look very loving. So I can definitely look at my mother's life now and say clearly that she loved me, uh, even though that was very hard for me to see when I was a young child. But I'm looking at her soul now, and she's passed away now, so I can do that a little easier too. But uh, you see, that's one example of how we ultimate, things ultimately can fall down to love. I see this very often in people's lives that I'm working with as well, that you know they say, this terrible thing happened. They went through this terrible crisis, whether it was an accident or, or a divorce or, uh, you know, uh, some kind of molestation or something horrible that happened to them. And they gained something from that experience that they just don't think they could have gained in any other way. Why did they gain that? Well, obviously they have to be open to gaining it. Certainly there are people who go through similar experiences who gain nothing from it or seem to gain nothing from it. I think the soul is gaining something all the time, but uh, or the soul is giving something to the identity all the time. Um, and maybe we just get a little tiny fragment of something in one life, and then the next life we get another fragment, and another fragment, and another life, and another fragment, until we're getting closer and closer to, to something that's a whole thing. And then we've got that whole thing, and we move on to the next thing that we have to get. I don't know exactly how this happens. I, I don't claim to have all the answers about mystery, but I do believe that uh, the soul is constantly operating to accomplish its intention, and it uses karma as the energy of that intention. Karma is the intention itself operating within us all the time. And the intention means for us to take what we came here in this particular life to get. So from that perspective, there are no failed lives. There is not a life ever that is a failed life. And we can look at, you know, certainly I, I heard of a situation just today where somebody, a young person, died of, died of a drug overdose. Um, that's tragic. We don't ever want that to happen. And, and it's very sad for the the parents and very sad for the, all the people who love this young person. But 
can we say that life was wasted? Well, you know, we can look at the surface of that and go, oh, my God, he never got to fulfill anything, never got to, you know, finish his life, you know, whatever. We can definitely say it's a wasted life by looking at it that way. But we can also look at it from a soul perspective and say, huh, I wonder what that person was trying to get with that very action. With that particular life, what will that person give himself from love that comes from that experience that could not be had in any other way. I've certainly spoken with many uh, recovering alcoholics and, and drug addicts who have given me wonderful blessings over the years to tell me these wonderful stories of their lives where in, both in and out of addiction where they, uh, first of all, have become these amazing, amazing people and second, they can tell of the times in their lives when they weren't so amazing and that they lived uh, in ways that were disregarding and disrespectful and even harmful to other people and to themselves, of course. And, you know, they can tell me these really stories of some pretty horrendous events. And yet they also can tell me what they gained and how that somehow also gave something to somebody else as well and how these things evolved together en masse to create something new and different for all the people involved. So, you know, when there's somebody in a, in a family system that has an addiction, it impacts everybody in the family. It doesn't just impact that person with the addiction. It impacts every person that person's acquainted with. Uh, one of our great spiritual um, prolific authors, and I can't remember which one right now, sorry about that, said that... Uh, an addiction is the fast route to uh, evolution. Basically, what they were saying is because you have to hit the dregs, you have to do something else. You have to do something else, which means get up and do something else or you'll die of it. So it, it is one of those things that sort of pushes us to our outer limits and forces us to have to look at reality or die. Um, and those kind of choices are life-changing choices. Life-changing choices, all of life-changing choices. And every time somebody's in addiction, it impacts everybody in the family. And every time somebody gets in recovery, it impacts everybody in the family. What is that impact? Well, if we choose to, or, and, and are ready and have reached the evolutionary state where we can openly receive whatever the gift is in that, then we grow exponentially. I've seen people grow exponentially by being impacted by somebody in their lives who was addicted to something. Why are they growing exponentially? Because it's so painful. It's so painful to watch somebody that you love go uh, kill themselves, basically, or, or be on a steady road toward that through self-destructive behavior and through their own disrespect of you and your rights and your, what, your property and everything else. That kind of impact can be both devastating and powerfully evolutionary in its promise to bring us to a new place. So, And it does bring people to new places, amazing new places within themselves where they aren't just acting differently. They are feeling, being, doing, thinking. Everything inside them has changed alchemically because of the impact of the addiction on their life. So that's a way in which things can fall down into love. Even though they look pretty awful on the outside, they can fall down into love. When a truly unconditional loving act 
happens to any one of us at any time. When somebody does something gracious for us that we didn't try to get or, 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 or ask for, we are moved and changed incrementally inside. That's what these hard things do as well. They change us alchemically. So that's the law of love in action. And we're going to talk some more about it right after the break. Stay tuned for the last segment of Authentic Living. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. So today we've been talking about the law of love and what that means. And we've seen how karma, a, a new definition of karma, can work together with the law of love and with the law of attraction to, uh, as well as with several other laws, uh, which you can read about in the law of attraction, the soul's answer to why it isn't working and how it can, that will help facilitate our uh, continuing evolution toward full awareness of who we are as divine beings. We started off saying, wouldn't it be nice if there was a law of attraction so that we were co- knew that we were constantly loved by everything and everyone in the universe, and if we could also be loving and kind to everyone else. And what we've been saying over the last segment is that actually that is what's happening. Even though a thing looks on the surface to be something very bad, it could be a loving gift to us. As a matter of fact, it is a loving gift to us. And we may have to look for that gift. Uh, And I'm not talking about trying to come up with some intellectual abstraction that says it's loving even though it doesn't feel loving. I'm talking about looking for a real gift that you can recognize as real love and feel loved by it. Um, uh, so that even when somebody acts in ways that aren't very loving, there's a gift there for us, and we can find that gift. Sometimes the gift is as simple as learning that we learn how to draw a boundary. How can drawing a boundary be loving? 
Well, drawing a boundary, what we assume is that love is always for other people, that love is for we 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 need to give love to other people and that's how love works if we're giving it to other people then there's love and if we're not giving it to other people then there's not love and that's how we think of love love is defined by its our our should about giving so so when we draw a boundary we assume that well that's not very loving we're we're going to be being mean or we're not being nice or we might hurt somebody's feelings or we might feel guilty or we might you know they might think we're bad people if we draw a boundary so somebody calls us and asks us to do something we've done several times before, even though we didn't want to do it. We did it anyway, and we said we were being kind when we did that thing we didn't want to do, although really what we were doing is just doing an obligation, which isn't a true kindness. Um, so we've done it many times, and this time we go, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore. That's not authentic. It's not the truth. And we tell the person, you know, I, I've done this several times, and I'm, I'm not going to do it today. And the person gets mad and, and they get their feelings hurt and they say, well, how could you do this to me? You've done this over and over again. How can you do this to me? You know, suppose we've taken somebody in our car to, uh, to look for a job several days in a row when we didn't really want to do it. It didn't feel good for us to do it. It didn't feel true for us to do it. And we did it anyway. And, and they're mad now. How am I going to get a job without your help? Well, you know, get the bus, take a bus, you know, take the trolley, take a, take the subway, do whatever you have to do. If you want a job, go get a job. Um, leaving it, giving it back to that person. And some would say, well, that's not very kind. That's not very good. But it's true. It's true. So how can truth be unkind? How can truth be unloving? If everything is one and everything is love, everything is divine, then truth is divine. Truth is love. How can truth be unloving? What we're doing is giving that person back the opportunity to take care of themselves. This is a great opportunity for them. We may or may not know what's an opportunity for another person, and they may or may not receive it as love. That's up to them. But we do know what's true for us, and that is self-love. That is self-love, and that's the part we have to receive. We have to be able to love the self. We have to allow the soul to give the identity love. That's where the merging comes into play, where we begin to merge identity with, with soul so that we become soul, so that we begin to live out of soul instead of living out of the identity that is identified with duality. Um, and in so doing, what we do is we, we do draw boundaries. We do say no when no needs to be said. And we say yes to things that other people might say, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Um, well, they're not. The ones who get to decide what is true for me. Uh, it'd be great if they, if we always agreed, if they always thought, well, you know, you're doing the right thing. From the duality place, plane on which we live, they may not agree. But if, if in my heart, in my soul, and my mind, all as one congruent unit agree that it is the truth for me, then that's all I got. That's the only guidance I got. We, we tend to go outside of ourselves to look for guidance from other people because they can tell us what we should do and what we ought to do and what, what looks right and what looks wrong. They can give us all that, but they can't give us our inner truth. We, that's an inside job. We have to do that. And doing that is a loving act for ourselves. So we have to love self. And by that, I don't mean we have to struggle and strive to learn how to, you know, esteem the self and get confidence in the self. I don't mean all that. All of those things happen naturally once we know the self. We don't have to work to esteem a self 
if we don't even know who the self is, how are we going to esteem it? So we have to have a self in order to esteem a self. And once we get a self, then it's already esteemed because we've worked hard to get it. So because our world doesn't usually encourage us to get it. So that's a loving act as well. When we, when we, uh, go after our dreams, try to accomplish what makes us feel passionate and alive and free. When we take time off and, and enjoy a, 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 a lazy summer or stop and smell the roses or, you know, just take a vacation or do the things that are meaningful to us, we are loving ourselves. And in that process, of, we've said no to some things and yes to other things. And that is entirely a part of loving. So loving can often mean saying no, although that is not what we've heard. We've heard loving always means that we're supposed to be kind and considerate to other people. And forget about yourself because if you think about yourself, well, you're just selfish. And if you don't, if you're not uh, thinking about other people, well, you're selfish. But actually, love informs the soul of the identity and the identity of the soul before it ever moves out into the external world to do anything with anyone else. Um, and and is there a first and second? Uh, no, it's it can happen simultaneously. It can happen one second before the other a nanosecond before the other, but whichever, however long it takes between loving self and loving other, that gap in between, the the first thing that has to happen is the loving gesture toward the self. Because how else will we receive love from other people if we don't even know how to receive it from ourselves? So that's the law of love. The law of love says that I that we all are recipients of love of divine love first and foremost and everything else that falls out after that is love so once we receive divine love we naturally without any striving give divine love and sometimes without even knowing it but we're drawing the boundaries we need in that essence of love that we're living in and we're thereby giving a gift to someone else. Whether they receive it as that is up to them. Um, Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should go around being hateful and mean to other people and saying, well, that's your gift. Deal with it. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that, that the law of love is always operative. It is always working with or without our consent, with or without our knowledge. We are always being loved and we are always giving love. And that is the truth of our deepest essence. That may not be what we live out of, but that is the truth of our deepest essence. So uh, in the process of discovering who we are, what we ultimately discover is that we are love. We are the essence of love itself. And defining love in any other terms might let us fall far short of what love actually is. Because love is all-encompassing. Love is a consuming fire. And we, everything else that we identify with in the duality trance state is going to be consumed by that fire. So we are, we are going to understand ourselves fully one is with everything and everyone. And we are going to understand ourselves as uh, divine beings. And we're going to understand ourselves as love. And that may be hard for us to accept. But if we can sit with that for a while and let that sort of gel, then it might find truth within us. So don't forget, 14 days till the Day of Answers. And next week, we're going to be hearing a special Encore presentation from Roseanne Cash, uh, an interview with her with regard to her book, 
composed. So you do not want to miss that. Roseanne Cash is a remarkable woman. Uh, and remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.